know, I wanted to relate to people and I wanted them to see that with consistency and with hard work and with a great tribe around you, you can, you know, chip away at things and you can succeed. And so it was more about me doing this for others than myself originally, but now I just feel pretty proud to look back and go, look what you've done. Hey there, welcome to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. I'm your host, Chris Desmond, and this is the show where we make it easier for you to get out of your comfort zone. We explore the science, the stories, and the strategies of getting uncomfortable to find your magic. In today's guest, we've got Mel Belford, or some of you might know her as Barbell Mel, on the show. She's an amazing lady that has, over the last couple of years, transformed her life And the most visible aspect has been the transformation of her body where she's lost about 35 or 40 kgs. But probably the most impressive part of it is the transformation of her attitude to the way that she lives her life and the habits that she's developed to create this physical transformation. So we talk through some of the reasons that she ended up at the point that she was at where she was um, unhappy and unhealthy and and overweight the most important part is that we talk through the stuff that she did to get from that point to where she is now and she still battles with challenges the whole time going through this process and, and still battles with challenges now but some of the strategies that she's been able to put in place are fantastic and applicable over a whole range of areas Now, Mel was a little bit nervous when we did this conversation. So, I mean, you might hear a couple of times, if you listen really closely, that her voice is a little bit wavery. But the stuff that she talks about is is fantastic. And I think her nerves definitely settled down as we went through the conversation. So be nice, be gentle. Well, you don't need to be gentle. All the stuff that she talks about is absolutely fantastic. Before we kick things off, though, I've just got a just want to let you guys know that I'm running a workshop in Wellington on the 13th of October teaching you the skills to learn how to break out of your comfort zone to take on any challenge I've partnered with Sam and Kevin from Floatwell so we're running this workshop and we're coupling that with a couple of floats down at Floatwell in Wellington so if that's something that you're interested in finding out a little bit more about head over to surmountcourse.com that's surmountcourse.com s-u-r-m-o-u-n-t c-o-u-r-s-e dot com and check it out i'd love to see you there mel have your water but welcome to the uncomfortable is okay podcast thank you so much for inviting me down here to your studio in kandala that's an awesome weird place thank you very much thank you for inviting me looking forward to having a chat now i've been having a look at your social media stuff and i've been wanting to have a talk with you for a little while now so it's good that we can tee up this time what I usually like to start people off with is just to kind of get a bit of an idea about you is where are you from? Where did you grow up? Maybe kind of when you were younger, is there anything that you remember, like any experiences that have kind of shaped you as the person you are today? Right, well, I grew up in Christchurch. So I was born in Christchurch and I have a brother and I've actually got two sisters now as well. They're from my dad's second marriage. So you'll gather from there that my parents actually separated when I was about seven so that was a huge event in my life 
that has definitely impacted on who I am and the way I do things. In a negative sense, it's at a start, but a positive impact as well. So I moved to Wellington when I was 11, attended Wadestown Intermediate, and then headed into Wellington Girls College and have been in Wellington ever since. So cool. 20 plus years. Oh, nice, nice. I'm interested in, you mentioned the positive impact of your parents separating as well. What was, what was that? Well, I think it's... I think Dr. Phil actually said this. Oh, and it's, on Dr. Phil. <laughs> on Dr. Phil. Sometimes it's better to come from a broken home than live in a broken home. So, good old Dr. Phil, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Food yeah. for thought. So, yeah, my parents weren't happy and my brother and I could pick up on that. So, it ended up being something that was best for us all for them to separate and for me to be able to live a better life moving to Wellington and having sort of just been focused on me growing as opposed to me being a part of something that was actually anything to do with me, was to do with my parents. And so I, I'm grateful for my mum for um, making the decision to move and give us that life back. Cool. Yeah, that makes absolutely complete sense. Complete sense. So you've been in Wellington for like the last, last 20 years. Mm -hmm. What happened after Wellington Girls? What did you do? What did I do actually? There was a couple of years of wasted <laughs> with friends and socialising and being a bit lost on where I wanted to go. I didn't mm -hmm. go straight to uni, but eventually I ended up doing some online study and that took me into some psychology papers and I really enjoyed that because I really enjoyed people and understanding mm -hmm. behaviours and I think that stemmed a lot from my upbringing and not having the social norm of a family. So trying to understand certain behaviours and why people act the way they do. And then I ended up continuing to socialise and part of that was meeting my husband <laughs> and then having our daughter at the young age of 22. So that's where that took me and then that chapter became parenthood. So that's mm. also been me for the last 13 years nearly. Yeah. Like we were talking before we started recording, and that's actually quite an uncomfortable journey as well. So you've got two kids, mm -hmm. and I think like if we skip forward a little bit, well actually no, what, what happened with the, the psychology and the learning? Well I think it's still a process in place at the moment, but I just really enjoyed it. I just continued mm. doing it, and I still am looking at doing more papers in psychology, yeah. and I think what it did for me is at that time it gave me an, a way to heal with the change in the dynamics of my family and it gave me sort of strategies and ways to move forward in my life with how to deal with certain people and certain behaviours and to also appreciate that it, you know, it wasn't my fault that my family broke down. And mm. so, yeah, I, I found that that was a real healing process. I suppose it, can, it still continues to this day because yeah. we're always having to deal with certain behaviours and people and how to manage the way we respond to these things. And I don't think, I think that's just an ongoing thing as well. I don't think that that ever, that ever stops. I mean, did you have a, a favourite strategy that you pulled out to help you manage what you were going through at the time? To be honest, at that time it was food. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, comfort eating is a, a big thing for a lot of people. And I think that's the negative side of what I came from that, what came mm. from that. And it was, the strategy was, it's hard, let's just eat and eat the pain away or 
socialise and and I think that was the beginning of a, a downward spiral for me mentally. In saying that there is so much more I've learned along the way that has enabled me to appreciate strategies that involve actually being kind to yourself and gratitude journaling and things like that that I was taught at the time but wasn't quite open to receiving so yeah and I think when you look back on times like that in your life and I've had similar similar times probably not with like not with the the comfort eating but yeah looking just to kind of push things away and sort of not confront things and yeah for me it was it was going out and partying and partying quite a lot and sort of not taking responsibility for things and just sort of distracting myself from addressing things that needed to be addressed and you can look back on on that yourself and beat yourself up about it a little bit that you think oh god what was I up to what was I thinking at that point in time but you didn't know then what you know now and you don't you haven't kind of hadn't been through and done all this all this work and asked yourself all these tough questions and mm. tried to figure out some answers to these tough questions at that point in time so that was that was often the best coping strategy you had mm. for dealing with this absolutely this crap really yeah and like it's not for neither of of us it was a, it wasn't a particularly healthy one and we're not encouraging anyone to go out and do that <laughs> no no not at all um, but like where did that take you utilizing that strategy that strategy did not work that strategy took me to quite a mentally dark place and I continued to get into this quite negative cycle of eating and then beating myself up about eating and then going out drinking and then eating because I was out drinking and then yeah it was like I said the downward spiral that led me to continuing to gain weight and lose myself in the process not a good strategy yeah this was happening as you're a mum and a wife as well mm. and obviously that's that's got to be pretty tough too like what were you telling yourself around that and kind of and, and how that matched up with family life at the time it was absolutely hard and I don't think I actually did tell myself anything at the time mm. I don't think I was that level of I guess enlightenment being able to understand hey you need to step back and talk to yourself about what's going on I wasn't there I was just continuing to do these these sort of negative inflicting things to myself by continuing to eat and with the family being impacted by this through me not being you know happy I wasn't very active in social occasions so my husband would often um, be like come on let's go out and do something and I was like no I don't want to you know and that would impact our relationship and with my daughter being young and like wanting to go to the park and I'd say no I don't want to I just want to stay home and it was it was just a really unhealthy unhappy environment for us all I think if I'm brutally honest it, mm. it wasn't easy and it was all self-inflicted and I look back and just think what, what, what a waste but yeah I guess I'm proud now that I'm on the other side of that and I can mm. try and help others to understand that you know we need a we need to be there for each other and get out of that before it gets that far. Yeah. So talking yeah. is important. Yeah. Definitely. And yeah, that I mean that's something that I am 
well, I have obviously been working on with this podcast in the last couple of a couple of years, and hopefully, I'm better at yeah, mm-hmm. kind of communicating on an emotional level yes. uh, than uh, than <laughs> I was, rather than just being hungry or tired. <laughs> I have more emotions than that now, maybe like another three. Um, now, what what took you to the tipping point of that of that cycle? Like, where was the point where you were like, "Hey, I need to need to turn this around." I think it came a few years later when we'd had our second child. So my son, Liam, was born. The weight was out of control at that point, as per the doctor's instructions. It was like, you know, you need to, you need to lose weight. And I'm not a huge advocate for weight loss and the fact that everyone should be skinny. It's the fact that if you're unhealthy and you've, you've been told you need to lose weight to improve your health, then you know I'm, I'm supportive of that mm. and I was on daily blood pressure medication I was just had two emergency surgeries to remove some gallstones from my bile duct and my gallbladder was removed as well so a couple of health scares yeah how many times have you been told that you needed to kind of change your habits and change your health and lose weight before that point maybe three or four doctor's visits prior to okay, that yeah, yeah. there was no triggers though there was mm-hmm. nothing that made me want to change my lifestyle yeah. I obviously loved my family and they were supportive and would talk to me and try and help me but I don't know just I didn't want to make those changes at, at that point but with the doctors going on and on about it and this medication and these surgeries and then I guess the biggest turnaround for me was my friend Steph being diagnosed with cancer and as a next of kin for her being in her everyday life every appointment every chemo every radiotherapy and then surgery which was to remove her left leg and breasts and part of her pelvis and sacrum was horrific and very confronting to what I was doing to my health and those sort of combinations helped me to see a bit clearer. I hadn't got all the way there yet, but it was Mm. enough in sort of a short space of time to to start looking at my health. And weight was a big part of the reason my health was continuing to deteriorate and for people were getting worried about about me and the way I was feeling about myself as well. So it wasn't just the body, it was my mind. And so, yeah, those are those triggers for me. Feel free not to answer this question, but... Like obviously this is an audio format. <laughs> people people can't see you. Like and so you're not the you're not the tallest lass. <laughs> but what did your weight peak at? Right. Well, it actually peaked at 113 kilos. Okay. I am 164 centimeters. So I think that's five foot two, or maybe mm. maybe pushing five foot three if I can yeah. claim that with shoes on. <laughs> yeah. um, Put your hair up. Yeah. You got that. <laughs> go by my ponytail and shoes. So 113 was when I was pregnant with my son and yeah, that that was a weight gain of 35 kgs in total. Mm. I started off heavy when I was pregnant. So yeah, not meeting the BMI requirements for that. No, 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 no. I'm pretty sure that... (laughs) I think it was actually called morbidly obese on the scales, which is horrific. (laughs) But it is the the medical terminology. Yeah, it is, it is. You see some in some people's kind of medical notes that no one calls people they used to call people just fat yeah that is what they used to write in medical notes but now it's increased bmi yeah yeah it's pretty polite now <laughs> it is yeah, real pc real yeah. pc like you had these 
couple of things that were back to back and they were kind of pretty pretty traumatic life events to to go through they were kind of the turning point like what were the first steps what was the start to Mm. change what you were doing it was actually Steph my friend it still sounds hard for me to say it like this but Steph I was with every day whether it was the hospital or in later months the hospice and we would often talk about health and about my wishes to lose weight because of these circumstances Mm. I was in but I was always very careful about making sure that you know I didn't try and make out that I was in such a you know a bad place when look at what she, where she was you know mm. she yelled at me one day and she said Mel you know like cancer does not define me you know does not define our relationship but you have to stop thinking that your life isn't as valuable as mine you know like I want you to talk to me and I want to help you so yeah basically she took me on as a little bit of a project and she had always been a, a woman that took a lot of good care of herself like she would she was like the healthiest person I knew to be honest and that's why it sucks when people get cancer cancer full mm. stop right we mm. hate it but when someone like that drinks like clean green drinks every day and has organic food and uh, exercises and practices mindfulness and yoga and is a good person and contributes mm. to the community and no she's like ticking the boxes for just an awesome phenomenal human gets cancer and it really puts things into perspective that here I am abusing my body while I have control of it and here she is fighting for her life without control of it and so I really valued the input and advice that she would give me and I took it on board and so together we came up with a bit of a plan and I would check in with her every day about how I was feeling and I'd tell her she was like my fitness pal basically Mm, like the app but real life (laughs) (laughs) it was awesome she was my guide and I guess she was my accountability because I wasn't going to let her down I'd let myself down before I'd let someone else down yeah yeah and I think like one of the things that Steph said to you in in regards to come to me with your troubles and with your problems Mm. as well and and often like one of the things that I think we tell ourselves is that we don't want to share some of the hard stuff that we're going through with other people because we don't we feel like we're putting a burden Mm. on them but that's actually doing them a, a disservice yeah because we're kind of thinking oh I don't want to put this burden on them because I don't think that they can carry it. Mm. Whereas actually they're, they're your mates or they're, they're someone that wants to, to help you so that actually if we can give them an opportunity to help mm. help us, helping someone makes you feel good about yourself regardless. Absolutely. So yeah. actually kind of looking at it more as an opportunity to get people to sort of do us a favor so that they feel good about themselves rather than a burden that we're, we're placing mm. on someone is... Yeah, it's, it's kind of been a way that I've sort of tried to change how I look at it in regards to kind of communicating some of the tough stuff with it. So what were the kind of the stuff that Steph got you doing initially? Well, she got me signing up with another friend actually to CrossFit of all mm. places. So here I am now at 103 kilos. So I've lost a bit of weight. It was probably just my son, actually. He was born at like... He was a big he boy. He was a big, a big boy. So I lost the baby uh, weight um, through his birth and then still had a good 30 kgs plus to lose. So I signed up for CrossFit. That was 
four days a week in the morning of all times, 5.30 in the morning, but it was the only time I could fit it in. I was sick of making excuses, so I just put that time in because everything else I had an excuse for, like the train was late or my husband was late from work or the kids had after school activities. So it was like, she said, go and book something and we got less excuses. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, all right. So did that, so tick. To turn up was the next thing. So mm. turned up, had to set about 16 alarms to get up <laughs> <laughs> because that is a horrific time yeah. of morning to get up if and you're not used to it. Yeah, further and further away from your bed. If you just set it right by your bed, yeah. you, know, you just hit it off, eh? Absolutely. It's going to be the other side of the room or out, like just outside the door. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. There were times that I actually went to bed in my clothes so that I, it was less time <laughs> to have to get prepared and more sleep for me. But... Yeah, that was the main thing, and then setting a, a bit of a meal plan. So she talked to me about what she would eat and what she would suggest, and kind of rolled with that. So the two main things were fitness, uh, accountability through her, and the nutrition, which I had no idea about, obviously. Mm. But I ended up going to the library and getting about 19, 20 healthy food guide magazines out, and sort of self-taught, and then went back to her and said, what do you think? Together we made it a project, and I think for me, I appreciated that she was helping me, but I also knew that this was something that she wanted to help me with as well. Mm. Like, she needed it, and so we'd sit and read through magazines, and it, it distracted her from what she was going through, and it sort of made it a bit lighter for us both. Yeah. Like, this is a massive lifestyle change for yes. you, and even when we're kind of making, like, small habit changes, it's pretty tough. Did you just do it? And that was it? You just kind of plain sailing the whole way through? I think I'd call it plain sailing, but <laughs> I definitely did just do it. And it was just the, the tangible reminder of my ability to move and her lack of ability to move. So uh, as I mentioned, she'd, she'd had a hemipalbectomy, so she was bed bound. Mm -hmm. And she was 33 years old with two children and I couldn't do a disservice to her by not, not listening, but like not appreciating and valuing my ability to move and ability to live. And it was a fine balancing act of coming and being excited about things, but then also not like feeling like I was rubbing it in either. So mm. it, that was an uncomfortable time where I had to balance my emotions. But if anything, she just wanted me to succeed. So I, I continue to to push on and just, just do it, just turn up and do the work. When did you start to like doing the work? Um, <laughs> when I saw results. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't sound how, too vain. <laughs> how, like, how soon was that? Probably within the first month to six weeks. I was weighing in weekly. I was taking photos monthly because and doing measurements. So this is part of the project was mm. recording things because not everything shows up on a scale. We've got measurements, we've got the way we're feeling as well. Mm. And then there's visuals, so photos. So if I didn't see anything shift on the scales, I didn't want to get disheartened. So I had these other backup ways of seeing things yeah. as well. So when I would link all these results together, I started feeling more positive and more driven to keep going. And it wasn't actually that hard once I built that confidence in myself and I had this amazing tribe of people around me that 
were proud of me for just lasting more than seven days, which is what I usually would do. My mum, my husband, my kids were young, but I, I could tell that I was already having a, a change in the way I was behaving around them, and then Steph as well in my corner. So Yeah, and I mean, uh, let's touch on that now, actually. I mean, you're three years on mm-hmm. now from starting this, starting this process. How have you seen your relationship with your family evolve over that time? Oh, it's been magical. Like the experiences we've shared in those last three years have been awesome. Uh, just a happier family. I mean, that sounds really basic, but it is. We're just happier. My children have a, a better role model. Their mum's not lying on the couch watching Dr. Phil, eating KFC and blocks of chocolates. And, you know, I'm actually out there fueling myself with um, nourishing food. Well, with the odd treat now and again. Um, but I'm out there and I'm now set up my own business, which I'm sure we'll touch on later mm-hmm. on. But And that is in the fitness industry. And whilst I don't believe it's all about fitness, it's, it's the vehicle that I am using to help spread the message about, you know, thinking about living well and feeling well. And my children are now my classes. So I run a teens class and a a younger children's class called the Young Guns and my daughter is just soaking up that feeling of being strong and I've talked to her about you know it's not about your body and what it looks like it's about your body and what it can do and she's out there preaching these messages as well and and I love that I love that she wants to be strong and she she's sort of modeling what I I come home and do, and I and I love that. There's mindfulness in her life. There's quiet time. There's her time. There is fitness time, and the same goes with my husband. We're just we work better together. We appreciate each other more, and I don't resent him when he goes off to rugby anymore either, because <laughs> I could never understand why he enjoyed doing that. But now I and I I mean I did, but I didn't because yeah. I didn't appreciate fitness or that escape or that camaraderie Mm. and these are all things that I do now understand and um, so yeah there's so much that this whole shift has given us all yeah cool you just frown at him when he comes home injured now yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) which is (laughs) most most times yeah that's why I ended up giving away rugby is that I'd like I'd play on the weekend and then I'd just spend the rest of the week in the gym like rehabbing so I could get on the field next week yep that's him (laughs) and every time before I left for for rugby my wife would yell at me out the door just run away from the ball yeah yeah (laughs) so it's like oh I don't know if that's really how it works yeah no Evan would run it he'd run at the ball yeah 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 well that's what you're supposed to do (laughs) so Mel I mean let's jump forward a wee bit now and talk about kind of health hub Mm-hmm. and your studio here you're one of the co-owners of this this awesome little studio in Wellington and like it's a kind of when you look back three years ago I'm sure that uh, that person then would never think that you were where you are now so it's been a it's been a pretty cool journey and I think we go through this stuff and like we never know like you can have all these plans but you never know where it's kind of going to spit you out at the mm. at the other end how did health hub come about like what was the catalyst for that i know it was pretty quick absolutely it was very quick well it came about originally i was doing my you know my personal training for myself i wanted Mm. to do it to enhance my knowledge for me as a you know quote unquote athlete i wanted to 
just inspire myself, basically. I qualified, I had a conversation with a good friend who was already a personal trainer and had a very successful business herself, Anna, and she said, like, maybe we sh you could come and use my space and you could use your you have clients at my space. And I said, oh, you know, that, that's awesome. I really appreciate the offer and thank you. I will. Then we had another conversation and this was about, why don't we get a space and share it that's bigger than what I've currently got? And I was like, okay, yep, all right, well, let's do that. Then Health Hub was born. It was mm. literally within, I think, two or three weeks, her partner or fiance had found us this property online. They said, should we just go down and have a look? Yeah, let's just go have a look. Just see what's, <laughs> what's out there and, you know, what we'd have to pay one day and let's just get an idea about what we'd do. Maybe, like, you know, here I am thinking a year's time. And we came down and then we were like, oh, this is actually quite cool. And Adam, her partner, is a, a commercial uh, fit-out builder and project manager. And so he had all these visions and then Evan and I thought, that'd be cool, that'd be cool. Next minute. We signed the lease and that was all within a month. So uh, don't have coffee with Anna, okay? <laughs> yeah, because we're two different brands, I sort of set up my business after I qualified as Barbell Mel. That was my nickname that one of my friends gave me, Jana. She gave me that about three years ago. I love barbells, I love lifting, so hence the name. And Anna has her own business, Anna Scott, personal training. And so we needed a name as well that was going to give us sort of an umbrella over the top of the two businesses that we could act independently or run our business independently, but also not call it Barbell Mail plus Anna Scott personal yeah. training. So Health Hub Studio was born through the values that we both shared, and that was health and community and also, I suppose, fitness. And that's where we came up with Health Hub Studio. And... The motto is live well, feel well, because that's as simple as we could make it to get our message across. That's what we do here. Mm. And Mel, you're now a strong female role model for a lot of young women out there. Is that something that you think about much and kind of think about how you want to come across to a lot of the girls that you, that you train? Thank you. I do. I think about it a lot because I think it's something that's missing in our society at the moment and I want to be a part of empowering these girls especially the age of intermediate through to college because that's that's a huge you know a huge transition for them hormonally and physically and mentally that's a big change in their life and I mean these changes happen throughout our life at different stages but that's the age that I'm most passionate about helping them improve strengthen their mind, strengthen their body and strengthen themselves, just everything. So I do enjoy coming up with new ways to empower these girls in the teen classes each Wednesday and I think I'm doing it quite successfully because they just keep coming and there's more and more that are coming and I love it and they, they're going around talking about how strong they are and they just seem to have these new sort of shields around them and I can see it as they, they're walking in and out of here, how strong they are. And I, I just, it fuels me. I love it. Cool. And are there times now that you still get down on yourself? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that will always be a, um, mm. a struggle in life with everything that I come across. There'll yeah. always be times where I'll beat myself up about something I've done or haven't done or said and, or haven't said. Yeah. And are the, are the triggers kind of the same as what they used to be? No. How have they shifted? I've invested a lot of time into me. I've been privileged enough to work with 
Joel Boze as my mentor for the last 18 months, nearly two years. And he is, I don't know how to explain it, he's phenomenal, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and he has helped me to believe in myself more, um, the power within me and my purpose and my values to help with those those hard moments and those triggers and strategies and having more confidence in myself. It will always be hard. There'll always be hard times, but it's just about how I react to those. Yeah. And I think, as you say, there's always going to be hard times and no matter kind of the choices that we make, there's things are going to be hard. Like if you just sit and stay doing what you were doing, there's going to be hard things that come in there. But if you're kind of moving in the direction that you want to move in, mm. then sometimes you just get to choose what hard things you're doing in mm. those hard times a little bit more. There's still life happens and hard stuff happens for you. But I always find, I think you feel a little bit better about the hard stuff if you have at least had some choice in the matter Absolutely. of which hard stuff it is. Yeah. yeah, it's how you choose to react to things in the way of what, that what energy, what sort of energy you're putting into things as well, or mm. what energy you take from others. Like, do, if it doesn't serve a purpose to fuel you or make you happy or nourish you, then I now choose no longer to have it in my life. And it sounds quite cutthroat, and sometimes you have to be, but this life is my life and I want to live the best life that I can for me and the people that I care about the most as well. I want to make sure that I'm the best version of myself for them as well. Mm. And if it's, if it's not serving me, then I choose not to have that. And how, do, I mean, how does that look practically for you? Like, do you have some questions that you ask yourself? Like if something comes up and, you're, and you need to make that decision? Yeah, I talk to myself a bit. That's mm -hmm. <laughs> normal, I think. I journal a lot, so every morning as part of my practice, I will go to the gym and I'll come home and I'll journal and I'll talk to myself, I suppose, as well. And if it doesn't, like I said, if it doesn't fuel me or nourish me or serve me or my family and my close friends, I will choose to no longer have it. It's sort of just that simple question, is it doing those things? And if it's not, or it's draining me of energy and I can't come up with ways around that, if I can't fix that or come up with a solution delegate it to someone else <laughs> then it's out <laughs> yeah cool and do you have any tip on saying no to those things and dropping them any tips just if it doesn't make you happy just don't invest in it any longer mm. that's it's easier said than done I get that but I think I've come to the point now where I've done so much for so many others in the past and sacrificed so much for others at the expense of me and my health mentally and physically that now I'm no longer prepared to accept anything else less than awesome. Nice, that <laughs> might be the title for the episode I think. <laughs> A concept that I think about sometimes with that stuff is like people and you'll understand this really well that actually the, the concepts of progressive training and mm. we understand that really well from a physical perspective that hey we to get stronger we need to kind mm. of put in the reps and do mm. the work and slowly we're going to get better and better until we kind of start to become comfortable with it or mm -hmm. we start to enjoy it but often that's something that we forget when we're trying to train to expand our comfort zone or trying to train ourselves to accept compliments or mm. to say no to things that because it's hard that first time, we just think, oh, I'm no good at this. Mm. Whereas if you compare it to lifting weights, 
like it's a skill that mm. you can build on and skill that you can train and yes some people are going to be better at it than other people just because of sort of who they are and, and their makeup but there's always some improvement that you can make with it so that's kind of how I think of of some of the stuff the the mental training and the training myself to yeah accept compliments and say no it's hard to start with but the more I do it and the clearer I get around it the easier it becomes absolutely I think it's vital I, I now I do anyway it's vital to be investing in mental training you know you don't have to have had anything traumatic in your life to invest in this you don't have to have tried to or lost weight to then need coaching you anyone could and should do it whether it's listening to podcasts or following certain you know people on instagram or going and getting a mentor but i 100 percent believe that the time that i've invested in growing my mindset has been the underlying factor of what i believe is my success to date i can't advocate that enough I completely agree with you as well and I've been on a quite a similar journey and you mentioned Joel before and like regular listeners to the podcast will know Joel and will have listened to him on a couple of episodes before which is which is cool. Mel I have a couple of other questions that I, I like to ask everyone towards mm-hmm. the end of our chat and the first one is what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did and how did you get through it? Right, well other than setting up a business in maybe a month <laughs> the last uncomfortable thing I did was probably put the photos of my physical transformation on my web page and I mean I am not someone that enjoys photos online of myself even on a good day but I decided uh, after some thought to put 12 photos of myself for the 12 months that I worked on my weight loss with me just in like underwear and that was a huge risk that I took on my my emotions and my vulnerability by putting that out there. There was so much fear and it was a very uncomfortable thing to push that submit, like to do it. But it, it was also quite liberating and I did it for others as well because I wanted them to see that, you know, like you, too often people walk in on someone's highlight reel and they mm. think, oh, that's, that's, you know, look, this person's done nothing. They don't know what that, you know, they don't know what I feel like or how, you know, I wanted to relate to people and I wanted them to see that with consistency and with hard work and with a great tribe around you, you can, you know, chip away at things and you can succeed. And so it was more about me doing this for others than myself originally, but now I just feel pretty proud to look back and go, look what you've done. Mm, it's cool and like it's a looking at the pictures it's an awesome transformation and you've done really well with it and obviously it's not just the physical Mm. like the the physical is a great part of it but the other stuff I think is is at least as if not more important with it because now you're developed a new way of living your life but putting those pictures up what sort of response have people had I didn't get one negative comment and that was what I feared the most was the trolls and the well you know it doesn't even look like a transformation or something like that and I would be like oh my god so you know I mean I'm not it's not the biggest transformation that's out there I get that and I wasn't trying to look like anything more than what was you know my journey Mm. but like I talk about as well and we've highlighted it's not just the physical transformation when you're looking at something like weight loss the 
the mind has to go with you and by being uncomfortable and that and vulnerable with putting those photos up I also shared by doing that I actually grew as well you know like mm. I, I grew in strength and confidence and when I wanted to use that to empower others see that yeah you can succeed and grow out of being uncomfortable mm. I think it's the best way to do it which is regular listeners will, will yep. know that obviously if you've been listening for the last couple of years what's the next uncomfortable thing you're going to do Mel and why is that uncomfortable for you Ooh, um, I don't have anything specifically planned for being getting uncomfortable with but I, I believe that with every, every goal I, I, I guess I set for myself and I achieve there's always going to be another step on top of that that's going to bring more uncomfortable feelings I'm, I'm always going to constantly be looking for ways to improve myself or better myself or how to improve others and I'm sure there'll be steps along the way that will bring those uncomfortable mm. feelings and that fear again that self-doubt and I'll just have to keep learning from the lessons that I've had previously and checking in with who I am right now and who I want to continue to become and, and just use those strategies to push forward into those uncomfortable times. Yeah, I mean, once you start with that, it's a bit of an addictive process mm. as well. Yeah. We've talked about it a bit already and kind of touched on a few different ones, but do you have any other specific strategies that you use to approach uncomfortable situations? Talking's a big thing for me, talking with others and people that I trust. So always having soundboards, I think it's a huge a huge value journaling like I said um, even taking some time out just for reflection for myself not necessarily journaling and that but just sitting there and thinking <laughs> yeah I mean you journal every morning yes yeah and when you're doing your reflection like do you set yourself specific times to do that or you do it, do it on kind of an as-needed basis some things need time yeah they yeah. definitely need time frames so you kind of book it into your diary yep. just a bit of Mel time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yes, one one important thing I do for myself and have done for the last two years is sit out in my diary Mel's mental health day, mm -hmm. which is actually only two hours, but I call it my <laughs> health day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I um, train with my personal trainer down at Sweat, which is another home for me. And I enjoy having a PT with Sam and we do then I do his class straight after so it's sort of a back-to-back -back gym session so mm. I, I mean I get that that's not everyone's cup of tea for a, a mental health break but for me it is because I'm there learning which I love doing so learning I do fitness we have fun and then I have the class after where we you know together as a group sort of enjoy each other's company and push each other as well so it's a real sort of soul-filling time for me so scheduling and Mal time is vital for me to be able to give you know mal back out to the people mm. that i have to share my energy with chucking in some nail appointments and some <laughs> hair appointments you know they're vital as well yeah, but yeah yeah they're, they're less they're, they're not confirmed in the diary they're, <laughs> okay. they're, they're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah flexible when you're talking to people mal i mean do you have different people that you go to for different aspects of your life to kind of bounce ideas off or is it kind of the, the same group and they kind of look after all of it for you <laughs> yeah it's probably the same group they're probably sick of me right now <laughs> but the same yeah probably the same group there's a small few people that I trust with being that open with mm. so yeah they're my they're my tribe 
It depends, though. If, I mean, if there's, if there's other people out there that I come into contact with that um, I might cross over similar things with, then I'll sort of use them as a soundboard. But I have probably a type five that I talk with. Cool. I got a couple more quick questions for you, Mel, but I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and have a chat with me today and kind of let me have a little bit of a, a nosy around your studio as well. But I also want to say thank you for taking what you've learned in the last three years and becoming a role model and becoming a teacher for a whole lot of people, but a lot of young women as well and I think that it's it's really important the stuff that you're that you're doing and the stuff that you're working on with them so I very much appreciate it thank you thank you very much thank you for appreciate it and thank you for uh, inviting me to get um, uncomfortable because (laughs) there has been moments where I've been uncomfortable (laughs) Um, you know with this comes growth and I'm excited to um, push myself out of my comfort zone it's been, it's been my pleasure. So Mel, if people want to find out more about you, if they want to follow along with the stuff mm-hmm. that, you're, that you're doing, where should they go? How can they do that? Okay, well, I am on Instagram, so you can find me at barbell.mel. I'm also on the website. I've got a website called barbellmel.co.nz, but I'd probably like to recommend that people follow me via the Health Hub Studio. So that's www.healthhubstudio.co.nz. That will also link into my private Barbell Mel page as well. Have a read, and there's some photos on there that will my Instagram that shows through things that I've overcome quotes and meals as well so I like to try and keep it a balanced sort of story or scrapbook of of the journey yeah cool two more questions for you the first one is I'm sure everyone is interested in how many chin-ups can you do (laughs) oh it depends is it strict or kipping (laughs) let's just say I could probably maybe I'll have to test this out everyone's going to call me out on this let's say 30 kipping chins maybe unbroken Mm. yeah that's the ones where you do swing, swing with it how many how many do you think you could do standard yeah the strict chins so we were doing these today it was part of a workout, so I'm gonna I'm gonna back myself and do five. I could do five, five? strict chins. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. 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 Last question, Mel. Do you have a challenge to leave me and the listeners with this week? <laughs> chin ups. Chin ups. <laughs> no. No. I suppose just go out into the world and do something for someone else without anything in return, without expecting anything in return. So. I've always wanted to pay someone's bill at the grocery store. So I'm thinking that's next on my agenda. It won't be the big $500 shop though. It'll be like <laughs> a couple of things. So I think, you know, anything like that where you can throw some kindness around to others, smile to people walking down the street that look unhappy, you know, do something that would make someone else's day. That would be my challenge. Because yeah. we, we often don't do stuff like that for others. So Yeah, I, I like that. Mel, thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much.